All right, we're making our way through the book of Esther. Be in the book of Esther. Last week we saw the downfall of Haman. Remember that Haman had convinced the king that there was a people scattered throughout his empire who were rebellious because of their laws differing from the laws of Persia. And he convinced them that they deserved death. Mahasuerus the king is an out-of-touch leader in this account. And without any investigation, without any questioning, he elevated Haman to second in command. And he gave him his royal ring, which authorized him to make royal decrees throughout the empire. And the king said, Do with them as it seemeth good to thee. And with the approval and power, Haman issued a genocidal decree against the Jews, all because one Jew refused to bow and reverence him, and that man was Mordecai. But what he didn't know was that the queen was a Jew. And I don't have time to recap it all. I've I've been recapping so much that I've grown weary of it in this book. And I don't say that in a bad way. There's just so much that it's fun to recap it but it takes up so much of the service. And so with, without recapping the whole ordeal, I'll just tell you tonight, it all came to light at that second banquet that Esther hosted for Haman and the king. And the king ordered Haman to be put to death on the very gallows Haman had prepared to put Mordecai to death on. And that was all on the same day. And if you missed any of the messages, please go back. There's a lot of details there that will be a blessing to you, I am sure. (laughs) There's a lot of fascinating turn of events. And so it shows us God's providence. With the execution of Haman now behind us, we begin a new chapter tonight. Let's go to chapter 8. And we'll read verses 1 through 14. These are a lot of long verses. In fact, verse 9 is the longest verse in your Bible. So hang on there, okay? That's worth like three on your Bible reading checklist. (laughs) Esther chapter 8 and verse 1. On that day, the king Ahasuerus, excuse me, on that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman the Jews' enemy unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. And I just had a change of heart. Let's stop reading right there. When I did these notes, I was expecting to get much further, but we're only going to get to verses 1 and 2. So from the beginning of verse 1, we understand that the events in verse 1 and 2 are occurring on the same day that Haman has been executed. In Persia, when a person like Haman is put to death, they confiscated their possessions. And we read how the king gave Esther Haman's house And this would be like us saying she got his estate. And he was a very rich man. We covered that earlier when he issued the decree. He offered to put in a large sum of money 
Um, so this man had quite a bit. And it's almost hard to believe, given our nation's process of law, how quickly they handled situations back then. We offer a lengthy appeals process. And I'm not knocking the system, but I read where the average time that a man will sit on death row is now up to 19 years. The Persians ain't playing around. The king didn't even ask Haman, what's going on over there, buddy? He just puts him to death. He takes his stuff and gives it to Esther all in one day. Probably within the space of just a few hours. She doesn't have to sue to be compensated for any trauma she has endured. She doesn't have to seek for damages for him defaming her character. But this all happened right away. How's that for not bogging down the courts? That's pretty good. Now, it's been that way throughout much of history, right? And still in many places in the world. Um, it, it wasn't unique to the Persians. In fact, we, we find it even in our Old Testament here. So, Now, what is Esther, who is primarily stuck at the palace, going to do with, Esther, or with Haman's estate? I mean, she can't move out of the king's palace. She's... <laughs> You know, this isn't Solomon and all his wives where he built a house for his wife. And, you know, I've been trying to do that in our home for a while. Adrian just finds her way back like a lost cat. And she can't move in there. She doesn't really need anything being the queen. But it was still hers to do as she saw fit. And so she decides to give Haman's estate to Mordecai. And from this we are reminded... Here's my first point tonight. And from this we are reminded of the folly of laying up for ourselves treasures upon the earth. Psalm 39.6 Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Ecclesiastes 2.18 and 19 Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Jesus taught us in Luke 12, verses 15 through 21, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? I was just thinking, that'd be kind of nice. What am I going to do with all my money? I got, I got nowhere to put it all. Amen. Um, okay, maybe I'm the only one that dreams of more riches. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there, I bestow, there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, <laughs> thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But what did God say unto him? Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, he says, then whose shall those things be? 
which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Haman had so much on this earth, but what good did all that wealth do him when it came time for him to die? Someone else gathered it all. Someone else took control of it all. Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Haman had great riches, but there was no way he could have paid his way out of this problem. He could not impress the king with his wealth. He could not buy his deliverance. Haman could not enrich the king any further. The king's the richest man in the empire. So what profit was his wealth when it came time to die? And likewise, there's nothing we can do to buy our soul's deliverance. Our king owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 49, verses 6-8, through They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. 1 Peter 1, 18-19, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Wealth can be a powerful tool. Amen. But it does nothing when it comes time to stand before God. Now, for what it's worth, I don't think God is against acquiring wealth. It's not wrong to have a livable house, a trustworthy vehicle, proper clothing, and even to take a vacation sometimes. But God is against the hoarding of wealth as a result of us being more focused on earthly things than we are heavenly. By all means, make money. But be a good steward. So the problem is when we trust in our wealth. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So money isn't the problem. But trusting in it and loving money is the problem. Therefore, we need to understand how to use any money we gain for God. And in this, it becomes a matter of our heart. Matthew 6, 19-21, Lay not up treasures for yourself upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust do corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's a matter of the heart. So how can you lay up treasure in heaven? Well, you can do so by giving to God through your church. You do so by supporting missionaries. You do so by caring for the widows, the fatherless, and the poor. Amen. Use your money for God. Do it with a right motive, which is God's glory for having blessed your life with such increase. So it's really a matter of dying to yourself, wouldn't you agree? When you receive your money, what are you going to do with it? I would say run your purchases through God. Make sure He's pleased with the decision you're about to make. Have that peace in your life. Ask God, would you be pleased if I made this purchase? 
Maybe you don't need that latest gadget. 1 Timothy 6, 6-8, through 8, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So not everyone's going to experience great monetary gain in this life, but we can all live godly. So back to our text, Haman is now dead. His riches have done nothing for him. They have been confiscated and given to Esther, who in turn gives them to Mordecai. And Matthew Henry wrote this, What Haman would have done mischief with, Esther will do good with. And estates are to be valued as they are used. End quote. We also see in verse 1 that Mordecai has come in before the king, which I think means he's been invited. I, I, I think we're meant to imply that. And the reason given at the end of verse 1 was because Esther had told what he was unto her. She has now made her relationship to Mordecai public. And she would have told the, the king about Mordecai being her cousin. He was like an uncle to her. And, and in fact, he was more than that. He was like a father to her. And sometimes I've, I've accidentally referred to him as an uncle through this because of their age difference. That's how I was kind of thinking. But, but they're cousins. And we, we talked all about that in chapter 2. But he was, he was her father in the sense that he adopted her. Remember that? Her parents had passed. He had taken her in. He had raised her as his own. And what I would say here is we should never shy away from revealing our relationship to our Heavenly Father. She's now revealed her relationship with Mordecai, and we ought to reveal to the world our relationship with God, who is our Father, Christ, who is our brother, and the Holy Ghost who lives within us. And we need to testify before all that we are in Christ and that we have placed our faith in Christ. Just like Esther has revealed, this is the one, this is the man who raised me. This is the man who took care of me. This is the one who did for me when I could not do for myself. This is the man who has, um, who raised me to understand what it means to even have a family. Amen. And so she's extending this to the king and she's saying, this is the man really, in essence, that made her who she was, in, you understand what I'm saying, in, in raising her. And so we need to publish the wonderful works of God in our life and say, He's the one that did for me what no one else could do. He's the one that offered me a part and no one else could extend. He's the one that lived a sinless life when no one else could. He's the one that died for me when no one else would. And now He cares for me like no other can do. And we see how Mordecai has never sought for favor for being the queen's cousin over the last four years. We have no record that he's ever appeared before the king before now. And he just got honored that morning by the king. But there's no record that the king ever went out to say anything to him. He told Haman to do all that, remember? And, and though his motive may have been off in counseling them himself and her to, to conceal their identity as a Jew, he still appears to have been a humble man who did not seek to take advantage of Esther's position for self-ambitions. Amen. The good old boy system, right? We don't need to seek for advancement through our connections. But we need to trust in the Lord who brings us promotion in His time. Well, remember the king, he honored Mordecai that day because Mordecai had saved his life back there in chapter 2 and was never rewarded for it. 
that earlier honor that had been bestowed upon him with his procession um, being paraded through the city, that was only temporary. Remember, he went right back to work after he got off the horse. (laughs) Uh, He went right back to the king's gate. That was only temporary. But now that he stands in the king's presence, he's going to be honored even greater. And so it is with us. Any praise you may receive from among man and men in this world, it's only temporary. But when you get into the presence of the King of Kings, amen, you'll find greater honor than this world can ever offer you. It's an eternal honor. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus said in John 12, 43, of those chief rulers who were beginning to believe on Him but were scared of the Pharisees because they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue, He said of them, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Which means God will praise you when you do well. Hallelujah. John, uh, that was John 12, 43. I may have misquoted the address. John 12, 26, Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. What a thought. So should you receive honor from men, don't let it go to your head. You're not as awesome as you think you are. It's like, I'm not as funny as I think I am, but you give me the pastor chuckle. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And you know deep down it was the stupidest thing you've ever heard. You're not as awesome as you think you are. <laughs> That's kind of an inside joke with that. All right, anyway. Seek the honor and praise from your heavenly Father because that endures. And so we see in verse 2 that Ahasuerus' ring, which he had entrusted to Haman, has now been given to Mordecai. And I don't know when he remembered to take that ring off of Haman, but uh, anyway, he's got it now. I've always wondered, did he take it off of his hand after he was dead? Like, oh yeah, my ring. (laughs) And and again, I want to highlight how flippant Ahasuerus is with his power. We've highlighted this throughout this account. He hastily gives his ring to Haman, and now he hastily gives his ring to Mordecai. Now, at least Mordecai had saved his life at one point. I mean, that's a pretty good indication that he's trustworthy at least. But mercy, Ahasuerus just met the guy. You know what? You seem like a cool dude. Here's my ring. Do whatever you want in the empire. So he essentially gives him power to do whatever he wants. I get the impression that Ahasuerus likes being king for the benefits, but doesn't want anything to do with the responsibility. But to whom much is given, much is required. And this really is something. All of Haman's wealth, all of Haman's power, has now been transferred to the man that he wanted to kill. (laughs) I hate this man. And now this man has everything that he had. This is amazing. Psalm 78, 55, He cast out the heathen also before them and divided them in inheritance by line and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. And remember what Haman said in chapter 5? He had departed the first banquet and he comes home and he's, he's excited as he's leaving. He goes through the king's gate and Mordecai doesn't bow before him and he gets home and he brags about his riches. Remember that? And he... 
talks about the multitude of his children and how he's been elevated and promoted within the empire. And then he said this, Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Well, Haman was right about one thing. It availed him nothing. None of those things could save him. But I want to tell you on that point, be thankful for the blessings that God has given you. We, are, we way, way too often want more and more and more. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And yet we act like all this avails me nothing so long as I don't get those new wheels. I don't know, whatever you want. And if you're not appreciative of the manifold blessings of God, He might just take them away from you. Wicked Haman made light of all that he had. And the next day, it was given to another. And his sons are going to be dead soon. We'll see that in the next chapter. Jesus said to Israel through a parable in Matthew 21, 43, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. If we won't do anything with what we've been blessed with, God will give it to another. Let that sink in. What talent are you not using? What finances are you not using? What strength are you not using? Listen, you may not have the nicest house in the neighborhood or the fanciest car on the road or the latest fashion trends, but thank God for His provisions. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. For those of us in Christ, we are heading to a place where gold is used as pavement. That which the world has sought after and fought wars over, we're going to walk upon. And, and what we, I believe what we're meant to learn there in Revelation is that the most important part of heaven is the Lord. He's the glory of it. He's the light of it. And our Lord should be the most important part of our life here below. Colossians 3, you know the verses, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. What's the focus of above? He gives it. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God, you're seeking after Him. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with God. Or excuse me, your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And we'll finish tonight by remembering... What all has transpired in this one day? Remember, there's, there's a lot happening on this one day. God has quickly turned the tables on this whole situation. Haman began the day thinking, I'm going to have Mordecai I put to death. <laughs> Oops. This is the day of his death. Haman was the one who was charged to honor Mordecai by arraying him in the king's royal apparel, putting the crown upon him, putting him on the king's horse, going throughout the city saying, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Haman probably felt a little bit better that day when he was hurried off to the second banquet. But while there, he was sentenced to death. And on that day, he was killed on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. And now all his wealth and power has been transferred to Mordecai, the very man he wanted to see dead. 
And I'm saying all this to tell you, all of this happened in one day. Asaph recited in Psalm 78, verse 19, about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I should say that He can. There's nothing too hard for God. And and God has no problem blessing His people no matter the circumstances. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment shalt thou condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Psalm 2, 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. So don't ever doubt God's power to deliver. Amen? If God can protect this people in Persia while they are out of God's will, then God can sure enough protect you and He can bless you as you seek His will. Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Jesus gave the precious promise to Peter in Matthew. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I just want to tell you tonight, we don't have to fear what man may devise or bring upon us. It may be unpleasant, but God is in complete control. And God gets the last laugh. Just trust Him. And so maybe there's somebody here tonight, you're going through some deep waters. I want to encourage you, keep your eyes on God because a whole lot can change in one day. And one way or the other, deliverance will arise from our God. Will you pray with me, please?